I'm Joni J, the creator of A Tribe Called Geek, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Jared Williams, the creator of Hyperforce Neo, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Andre Meadows. I have a YouTube channel, Black Nerd Comedy. Have you heard of it? Don't matter, because you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, the best podcast in the whole world that I'm doing a promo for right now. Boom! Episode 66 of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. This episode is aptly titled Keanu, Jessica Chobot, Alchemist Cookbook, and Blavity. So we have four segments for you. We decided to go to South by Southwest. About a couple of weeks ago was when it started. Jacqueline Coley, as well as Joelle Monique, did a fantastic job of covering all of the major events that was happening at the festival. So this podcast is partly comprised of some of the highlights from South by Southwest, including some interviews by some special guests. In segment one, it's called Keanu. Keanu, you probably have heard it or you've seen a very interesting and funny trailer. It's from the comedy duo Key and Peele. They were at South by Southwest. They did a premiere of their film there. And Jacqueline Coley sits down with the duo and talks about Keanu, talk about South by Southwest, talk about tacos, talk about everything in this really funny, hilarious interview with the team. In segment two, Jacqueline speaks to Jessica Chobot. Jessica is a contributor over at The Nerdist and was also over at South by Southwest doing some various projects there. They talk about everything from the huge entity that is The Nerdist, as well as some interesting facts about Jacqueline's crush on Jessica's husband from the Road Rules TV series. They go into some details about that in the interview. So it's a very fun, laid-back, candid interview between Jessica and Jacqueline. In our third segment, we interview Joel Petrykus. Joel is a filmmaker, and he was also at South by Southwest presenting his film called The Alchemist Cookbook. In this interview, Joel Monique sits down with him and goes over why he decided to stay in his hometown instead of moving out to L.A. or New York to be a filmmaker, and how he's been successful in his career in honing his art in a homegrown kind of way. And finally, in our final segment, we go back to BGN headquarters and we interview Morgan Debon of Blavity. Myself, including Karan and KB, is in this interview. And we interview the CEO and co-founder of this great website for Black millennials that have over a million visits per month that is making a huge impact in the digital space. And we just talk about how it got started, where it's going, and all the information that you need to know about Blavity if you have not heard about it before. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got a lot of content for you. It's going to be funny. It's going to be informational. It's going to be filled with a lot of great perspectives. And I look forward to your comments. And if you don't mind, subscribe to Black Girl Nerds. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, subscribe to us by way of iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. That is where you can find us. We're also on a lot of third-party podcast apps. But those are the major ones where you can find our shows. And then you can also rate us in iTunes and give us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. And rating us in iTunes makes a big difference to the iTunes folks. It gives us a little bit more visibility. It gives us a little bit of more sustainability, having a podcast that is being recognized. So please rate us. Let us know what you think. Give us comments. And on SoundCloud, give us hearts. Give us a follow. Leave comments there. We always love to see your feedback, and I'm always one to respond to any questions or comments as well that you leave on SoundCloud. So definitely do that. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 66 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Enjoy. Key and Peele is a comedy duo and also an American sketch comedy TV series created by Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele for Comedy Central. Each episode of the show consists mainly of several pre-taped sketches starring the two actors. The sketches cover a variety of societal topics, often with a focus on American pop culture, ethnic stereotypes, and race relations. Key and Peele won a Peabody Award and has been nominated for various other awards, including Writers Guild Award, NAACP Image Award, and several Primetime Emmy Awards. Their latest film venture is a film called Keanu. The premise behind the film is when Rel's beloved pet kitten Keanu is taken from his home, he and his friend Clarence seek out those responsible to recover the cat and find themselves in over their heads dealing with violent gang members. Check out this amazing and funny interview with Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. Okay, guys, so right now we are so excited because we get to sit down with basically the best comedy duo right now, Key and Peele. <laughs> Just moments away from the premiere, oh, well, the work in progress, South by premiere of their new film, Keanu. If you've not seen the promo for this, you're missing out on the funnest two minutes that you can honestly have. Um, so, guys. Are you excited for South by Southwest and premiering this movie? What, yeah, what, yeah absolutely. On? First time an audience sees yeah. it. That, 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 not a test screening audience, just a regular audience of people who are thrilled about you know cinema and comedy. And so it's going to be super exciting for us. We're, we're, we're really happy, yeah. Why did you guys decide to just, you know, did you, I know that you guys decided last minute maybe to kind of decide to do it here. What made you say, you know what, South by is where we want to go? Um, you know, it, it, timing. <laughs> <laughs> You just loved us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the right place. It's really the right place to do it because it's a place. It's, it's, it's you know, there are film film festivals. People go to film festivals. Be, you know, why do you go to film festivals? Because I love film. And part of it is at South by you get a nice, enthused, engaged, rowdy audience. And I don't think you know we may the it, the expectation of it has been amazing, and we hope that the response will be something that we've never experienced before. I have ever in cinema ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the time, that's our hope. Yeah. yeah. By the time this posts, I would bet the I would bet a paycheck. I guarantee you this is going to have at least five hundred people turned away tonight. Right. Yeah. I guarantee you. How many people does the Paramount hold? The Paramount holds like fourteen hundred. Interesting. But um, at this right now, if I was not able to go to it, I would be lining up for it right now. And not and and not and then you'd be derelict to your duties. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But if I was like you know as the fan, I'm gonna try and see this movie. I guarantee you, there are people probably in the next ten minutes already lining up to make sure they can get it because that's gonna be that big of a draw. That's crazy. Yeah. They did a ranking of the. The buzziest ones, and you guys are like Pee Wee beat you, Pee Wee Herman. Well, okay, well, and those, that, okay, that's Pee Wee. All right, what do you do? I mean, you expect that. To but be yeah, no, but yeah, you guys definitely. And I will say, like, when I saw that trailer, I was like, "This is going to be the funniest thing I have ever seen." What made you guys decide to do a John Wick parody? Like, that is genius. I, 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 I just want to know. Well, it's funny, you know. This it, it started before John Wick came out. So the whole, the whole, the first draft, it, it was a total coincidence when that movie came out and Keanu Reeves is, is Avengers. And the Nobody kitten, is going to believe. Kitten in the first draft. Oh, okay. well, in the first yeah. draft. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, after we put the kitten in. Oh, that's right. Then John Wick happened, right? And, uh, oh, so the kitten was still before John Wick. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. No yeah. one is going to believe. <laughs> <laughs> The crazy thing is, the, the crazy thing is, we get we've been getting this strange credit yeah. for a, <laughs> for making you know, a John Wick parody yeah, right? that, that we weren't weren't intending, but we'll take it because it, it actually it just you know it's just one of those signs that this is kind of like I don't know there's it's some somehow uh, in, in some kind of synergy. Synergy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, don't look at my blog post because that was like the number one thing. I was like, I, I was like, this it. is John Wick with a cat, y'all. Yeah, we'll t- all uh, press is good press. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. great. And so yeah, I mean, the trailer is awesome. It looks like it's going to be so great, and then. I, I think you guys, especially, I just look at your guys' career, it's so brave to do what you did. Because I remember friends of mine, like, when y'all broke that, you know, Key and Peele was no longer being on Comedy Central, the friends of mine were like, 
literally really upset. Like I'm sure your Twitters, there are people like, no. Can you tell me about that reaction and how you dealt with that those first few days? Uh, it's really, really, uh, really heartwarming. Really, I mean, we we this all this thing has all happened so very fast for us in the past few years with Key and Peele, and you work you work very hard on a sketch show to try and you know. Uh, you know, fix the show and make it uh, make it the best show it can be. And so you you, you spend a lot of time uh, catering to the the holes and the things you think are problems. And then at the end of the show, to find out we had so many uh, people who just loved it and loved what we do from day one. Uh, it, it was just really uh, really special. I mean, do you guys feel? I, I hate to do this, but and it's not just because you're on the same network. You guys are this generation's Dave Chappelle, and like you know, and this is like you will always be that. That I feel like that millennial class will always think of you guys as this show. You had to catch it when it was on. And how do you guys feel about that, knowing that it's I mean, so that's, big? Yeah. That, that's high. I mean, that's, that's high. It's high praise, yeah. and, and and it's one of those things where you, you really just have to figure. You have to only. There's two things you can do. You can stick. To what you know and what you know, and when I say what I mean by that is that pull from your life, and 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 know and trust there's going to be an audience that's going to like what you're doing, and then the other thing is that it, it, this little moment in time has been interesting transgenerationally, because one of the most heartwarming things you hear is when a parent tells you, I watched this show with my kid. Yeah. Now, of course, then they panicked on Twitter, too. They're like, no, what am I supposed to do? I can't communicate. I'm not going to want to communicate with my 14-year-old. Oh, no. he, he only talked to me for the last three years. It was glorious, and now your show's off the air. Now he hates me again, you know. Oh. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been really interesting to... to, to that comparison, like I said, is lofty and high praise. But yeah. I mean, we're just doing in a way something similar to what Dave did. He's like, this is how I see the world, and I'm just gonna have try to have the gumption to just do what I how how I see it, and we just want to do it how we see it, and if, and and see if people come along. We had no idea. Our nose was to the grindstone. We're just working, <laughs> and then you look up and go. 900 million views. What? I will say, you guys are at South By, and not to take you out of it, Jordan, but you have a big South By connection right now because you're in two films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Obama was here, mm -hmm. and you did his White House correspondence. <laughs> right, right, right. And this is like your festival right mm -hmm. now. This was totally planned, right? No, yeah. Well, as Jordan said earlier, timing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, my friend Mike Birbiglia, I didn't know that we were necessarily going to be, I'm in a movie called Don't Think Twice that, you know, Mike Birbiglia did really well at Sundance and got one of the next best awards a few years ago in, in, in uh, 2012 or, um, uh, or maybe it was a year earlier, but with his film um, Sleepwalk With Me. So he made Don't Think Twice and it's a companion piece to Sleepwalk With Me. Sleepwalk With Me is kind of a biography of a stand-up comedian and this movie is the biography of an improv troupe. And, and it was interesting that he wanted, he had a lot of passion about it. And he said, I, I really want, he said, I really want to do South by that's what I want. That's the festival I want to do this year. And, and so we were just lucky enough that things fell into place. We could have the, the work in progress with uh, the work in progress screening with Keanu. It's a nice way to kind of come into your first experience. Of I mean, it, you didn't blow Obama up. He's going to answer your phone and be like, come on, have tacos with me. Cause he had tacos. Like I right told him too. I said, I said, I said, look, I said, look. <laughs> Hold up, he's gonna be up in here in a minute. I said, hold up, he's gonna be up in here in a minute. And then we didn't make it. He went to get some tacos. He said he just went and got tacos anyway. He yeah. was not there. I gotta go. Lived in the, I'll give you mine. Lived in this town for ten years. He gets tacos. I mean, I walk to that taco place. Yeah. My house, house is, is on that corner. They shut down my driveway oh, to get him to pull in. That's just I cried. That's I was like, yeah, of course you cried. Like, you deserve to cry for that. That's I'm deserved. like, I could have looked out my window to see Obama, and I'm over here at South by. But that's okay. I got to meet you guys. Oh, so. I thought you were upset because your taco place was closed. <laughs> <laughs> we take tacos very seriously here in Austin. In this town, in it is Austin. a big, big deal. So we're psyched for women of color to embrace all things geek. Um, I like to ask everybody in every interview, what is your super secret geeky behavior? Mm. Super secret geeky behavior. Yeah, because like everybody has that thing like, oh, I, you know, like Iron Man and I want to go see the Avengers. Nobody wants to admit about their Twilight fan fiction. <laughs> but if you're really into it, let it go. Geekiest. You know, I watched, uh, I watched about like 10 episodes of Scream Queen. You'd be surprised. Really? I mean, you know I'm into that horror stuff. That's true. That okay. Yeah. Um, so that, that, I kind of geeked out on that. I thought it was kind of cool. Not, now this yeah. might, I'm trying to think what the, cause I'm, 
I like like over the toppy Brian De Palma action stuff. Okay, That's nice. my thing. I'm Gaga for Banshee. That's my thing. <laughs> That's your geek. And geek, I don't geekology. care. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, Banshee's a thing. Like I'm a Banshee disciple. I'm not the comics, just the show. Okay, I didn't just even the know show. about the comics. Okay, yeah. saying, I didn't like, even know about. Pretty sure our audience does know, but yeah, Banshee, the television show that's based off of the comics. So that's yeah. your, that's you. That's my thing, and and okay. like, and for me too. I'm, and it's weird, like the bloodier and the more, like I don't necessarily need a plot. Just need people cracking and breaking <laughs> things. Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah. I mean, and I of just, course we love Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. We're both not. Do you know there's they have an install here right now you can go sit on the throne right oh that's right the corner. Corner. yeah right yeah, around yeah, the corner yeah. they have the hall of many faces i'm you telling you add your face to the wall you can you yeah can. yeah you really can you, can. Yeah. Do you see how much we like you we're here with you right now i could be on the iron throne and have my face on the wall this is like comic-con is definitely like nerd paradise but i feel like here definitely has like a different feel it's like hipster nerd paradise it's hipster really nerd paradise. yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to add like you know like the random weird band that's like you know 12 dozen right. monkeys uh, <laughs> you know what i mean like you yeah, got the mr robot yeah. ferris wheel yeah, and then, yeah. it's a really great festival and i'm so glad that you guys decided to come down here for it so you know a little bit i guess now we can just say game of thrones is what you're looking forward to right like is there anything yeah. else that oh, you're yeah, like yeah, any other films that you want to no, check I mean, out I, I mean like i said well i, I am i'm looking because banshee's about to their fourth and last final season's coming out so i'm crazy about that uh -huh. and then um and it's um uh yeah i just i can't think there's something else that you See, and I there's preacher there's nine oh, preacher two yeah, preacher yeah. preacher there's preacher rides which mm -hmm. is the uber the nine rides thing I, heard about. Uh, I just i just What's heard that? about nine rides yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right 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 and That's he's what, yeah. a he's a filmmaker of color former nfl player turned filmmaker That's like right. it really all like you had it you could have just done that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like i was looking at this when i meet my friends that are like really pretty and really smart a friend of mine is like a doctor and she's also drop dead gorgeous i'm like you could have just done that you <laughs> just done that you just you already won you yeah. already won. Exactly. <laughs> and then she's brilliant. It's off of it. Anyway, so thank you guys so thank much you. for sitting down with us. Where can it, folks find you um, online? Well, uh, let's see. For, for the movie, you can uh, go to Twitter at, for at Keanu, Keanu Movie. Movie. Yep, at Keanu Movie for the film. Uh, I keep, I'm, for me, Keegan, you can get me at, at Keegan M. Key on Twitter. I'm at Jordan Peele. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. all, that's all I represent these days. Yeah, I'm a little Keegan Mick on the Instagram. <laughs> Keegan Mick, M-I-C. Okay. We'll be back right after this brief message. Head on over to Tee Public and check out our t-shirts. Go to blackgirlnerds.com forward slash t-shirts. We have everything from our BGN logo, our BGN avatars featuring the three girls that you see at the header of our website, and several other designs featured by other artists such as Funky Medusa, Wonder Woman, and Roller Derby Storm. So check it out. It's blackgirlnerds.com forward slash t-shirts. Keep that website marked as your favorites in your browser, because every now and then there are sales. Currently, there's a sale for $14 t-shirts. Every now and then, there may be a coupon for $20 or 30% off. And new designs are constantly being added to the site, so always refresh and check that out. Again, that's blackgirlnerds.com forward slash t-shirts, and t-shirts range anywhere from size small up to 5X. So everyone has an opportunity to fit into any size that they want, and you can rock the t-shirt at your favorite convention, event, or just to hang out and tell all your friends how cool you are because you are rocking a Black Girl Nerd shirt. Thanks for your support, and back to the show. Jessica Chobot is an on-camera host and writer. She has hosted the IGN shows such as IGN Strategize and Weekly Wood, which also runs on Xbox Live, and she used to present the IGN Daily Fix. She is now the host of Nerdist News for Nerdist Industries. Anyway, so we're sitting down here with Jessica Chobot, who is the Nerdist News uh, anchor person all the time, and then also all around, you know, I would say, yeah. Um, and so she's sitting here with us at the Antones Capital One House uh, at South by Southwest. And you can kind of select to be a brand ambassador for them this week. How to, what to, tell us a little bit about what you got. Yeah, here. pretty much. So um, I'm floating between here and then our own Nerdist Smart Girls um, 
activation over at, uh, oh God, where is Brady that? Brady Street Thing. Bangers. Yes, Bangers, <laughs> that's the one. I know, it's like the worst title for a place I, or two. I'm like, I'm embarrassed every time I say bangers. I, yeah, just weird. sausages. You I get, know. Yeah, well, that's not what I usually think of, but yes. But, um, so I'm flowing between these two spots, um, but I'm spending most of my time here. And for the brand ambassador, I guess, ship kind of thing. It, what I've been doing is I think yesterday we did kind of a tour of Antone's, gave a little history on the location, um, talked a little bit about the live acts that they're going to be having here uh, throughout the evenings, kind of what they're offering during the day, uh, both the panels that similar to what we just saw and then also just kind of like relaxation spots because as we were just talking about, <laughs> this place is crazy. Um, yes. It gets very intense, you know, any kind of... Uh, show like this, you know, whether it's an E3, which is what I'm more familiar with, or a South by Southwest, or, or a Comic-Con, or a CES, or a PAX, or you name it, <laughs> you know, after, by your second day, at the end of the second day, you're pretty much a zombie, so they're offering up a, a nice little, like, location upstairs where you can kind of hide, recharge your phone, recharge your laptop, what have you, recharge your life, recharge yourself, <laughs> recharge your life, get some food. And so, yeah, it's kind of just a nice, cool hangout. We were here yesterday when they did the Alexa announcement, which yeah. is just, like, to me, when we think, like, I'm, I like everything to be connected. The fact that now I'm like, I can speak to something, and it's going to start doing my banking on top of everything else. We're about to live in the world of Star Trek, where it's like, computer! I actually have Alexa at home, and I was here for the announcement, um, specifically to find out what they were offering. I have a tendency to use it just as a speaker system and an alarm clock, <laughs> which... Don't get me wrong, it's actually extremely helpful, um, but I do feel like it's, uh, hearing the panel about how it's integrated with what Capital One's trying to offer made me realize that I'm not actually using the tech that I bought to its fullest potential. So I don't necessarily know, because I have a different bank, if I'm going to actually start using it for banking per se, but I but having come to that panel and heard everything, it does make me want to go and investigate more as to what I'm missing out on, on what this technology can do, and then how I can integrate it. Because I know that, I think, and I think it recently, Amazon just came out with the Echo, uh, what's it called? Echo, um, Echo. I know it's an Echo something. It's basically <laughs> these little, like, um, sub speakers that you yes. can place around your house that yeah. also feed into yes. Alexa. It's like and basically the, your satellites yeah. to Alexa. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That and so I saw that come through my email that they were offering that up. So do it with the hardware and the software. So I'm just I'm very curious about the whole thing. I, I thought it was really cool that Capital One was kind of one of the first ones to jump on board yeah. with that. And make it in a huge announcement. And so like we're here right now and they are doing it big. Like this is a beautiful space. They're doing like what I would say a mini South by here. They have a full lineup of speakers yeah. and talks all day long, in addition to the things that are going on in the convention center. Well, and that panel, the last one, which was what fact check women are uh, technology has not always been a man's world. Yes, or something the women along in those tech lines. panel. Yeah, and it's basically the women's in tech panel. I had no idea. The history that was involved, like, this was a totally eye-opening experience for me. And I'm with my friend who also works over at Nerdist and is my point person throughout the two um, locations. And we both just looked at each other and we're like, whoa, we have, for, since I can ever even remember, I have been drinking the Kool-Aid of mm -hmm. this is how women it are, is supposed to yeah. be. And I, it makes me wonder, like, how have I subconsciously adjusted as I've grown up my disposition and the way that I handle myself publicly in order to be in the industry that I'm in because, you know, you start getting into this trap. I mean, I'm almost 40. It's taken me this many years to, like, break the trap of, oh, it's okay for me to kind of be a girly girl, like, makeup and hair and post things on Instagram and, oh, I don't need to, I can have friends that are women now because we're not all competitive yes. and, we, and it's okay. I don't have to just be one of the one of the girl guys, you know, yeah. because I, I don't want to be pointed out as being different. And it just was like, oh, my God, I've fallen for the trap. And, hey, you know, now I'm all, I, all my dispositions and concrete at this point. Like, it's fine. I'm cool with it. <laughs> You're like, there's not going to be any yeah. more major changes. And But the flip side of that is like, oh, that is a good thing, though, that at this age, like, I wish I would have known 
realized it sooner when I was younger, so I could have spared myself a lot of stress. Yeah. But uh, and questioning, yeah, of, like my self-disposition, twenty-year-old self. Yeah, and that having more so confidence key. in myself. But on the flip side, it's also, hey, if you're gonna learn it, I'm glad I'm learning it now, and at a time where, as I get older, I just instinctually get more confident because. As you get older, I also think you just stop giving fuck. Yeah, you stop. <laughs> you really do stop caring. It's you like, just stop caring <laughs> what other people think. Oh yeah, no, that's um, it's in in thirties, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like I talked to my twenty year old friends, it's like I, that's just not a concern for me anymore. They yeah. they used to be like you know for people in our culture, one of the big things is like you know my decision to wear my hair natural, which is like that same conversation of where like I'm going to break the status quo because I've always been told I need to straighten my hair and I can't wear my hair a certain way um, and be considered professional and do my job and then you just get tired yeah, of I wouldn't even have thought about the non-professional <laughs> yes. it wouldn't even have occurred yes. to me like that that's a uh, concern it's a reality for yeah. a lot of women of color and unfortunately it's something that you have to think about when, you know, you make that decision. But then for me, it wasn't really this like radical decision. It was like, I just got tired of doing hair. <laughs> like I'm I don't wake up and go. Yeah. Again. Like I'll look, look like this is, this is just going to be me. We're just going to make it look as cute as possible, but I'm just, I'm done with the, with the rigmarole. What's it like working for him in that, in that whole nerdist bubble? Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, the, the bonus that I get is that Chris and I actually knew each other and we're already, yeah, we're friends for, for G4. G4. Yeah. Oh, so, I remember Attack of the Show and the feed. Oh, we. I know oh, yeah. you from way back. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to fangirl out on you, but like, no, no, no. I've known since Chris was giving like little like reviews and coming on, and then yeah, your husband. Let's talk about my first crush. Oh, really? Yeah, from Road Wolves. Oh my God, I got Blair. a good story about that. <laughs> I actually had no idea. Like, we'll switch back to Chris yes, in a minute, but yes. let me tell you my little awesome story. I had no idea when I met Blair that he was on Road Rules. Oh, I never girl. watched. I didn't watch those shows at all. I just didn't. I You're think, better for it. Well, I wouldn't say that. I just wasn't. It, it just wasn't. I think I was in college at the time, so it just wasn't on my radar. Yeah. He is a little younger than me. And, girl, um, get it. I know, right? I mean, whatever. It's fine. But somebody needs to be the big one in the house. Um, so he. So I had no clue, and I just thought he was the G four guy. Which was fine with me because yeah. I was in the games and all the G4 amazing. stuff. <laughs> and, well, I posted our relationship on Facebook when it started getting serious. And my sister, all of a sudden I get this text. My sister is a few years younger than me. And so she was the one that was watching those shows when he was on it. She's like, oh, my God, are you dating Blair Herter from Road Rules? And I'm not kidding you. And he knows this, so I'm not afraid to say it. There was a hot second where I thought, I'm going to have to dump this guy. Because <laughs> I don't know if I can oh. be seen with the dude. Oh, and my I, God. Yeah, because that's a different world than... I was just, yeah. I was just like, oh, jeez. <laughs> he then, was one of the normal ones, though, even yeah. in that crazy. like the, Yeah. And we're actually friends with some of his other friends from the show, like Adam Larson. I mean, Long, one of them is a, a senator or congressman, Sean Duffy, who's like on oh, Road Rules. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, this is like taking such a tangent. But yeah, seriously. Wow, you know your stuff about Road <laughs> Honestly, like, it's, I just know my stuff about entertainment. <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> because I spend way too much time on the internet and watching TV. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's like a, a whole crew of them. But yeah, that was literally my first reality TV crush was Aww. your now husband. So I can go ahead and be embarrassed by that one. Don't be embarrassed about that. He, he, he would have been, he's a wonderful guy to have a crush on. <laughs> Good times. But yeah, so back to so Chris. Back to Chris. And Nerdist. Yeah, so, you know, I've known him for a while. And so there, it's like, I'm not really, I can honestly say like, this is the, one of the first places I've worked for. Like I, I've had friends at G4 and I had friends at IGN when I was there and I enjoyed working with a lot of people, but I like legitimately really enjoy working with everybody at Nerdist. I, I, I like personally for me as someone that, you know, is dipping my toe into this whole world, I look at that as like, that would be just a dream job. Yeah, it seems fun. like I watch the YouTube channel and I see everybody interact online. I'm just like, everybody's cool from Dan Casey to, um, sci Sci-file, I forget his actual oh, name. Oh, um, Kyle Hill. Kyle, Kyle Hill. <laughs> um, I just, I feel like everyone there just seems like they really oh, like what they everybody's do. a total character, too. Yes. So it's a blast. Like, you never know what like you're walking Malik, into. I'm like, I feel like if I knew him, I'd be like, we can go, like, He's, hang out. Oh, you guys yeah. totally think <laughs> Actually, everybody. Everybody's yeah. that way. They're like, everybody's just really approachable, happy to be there. You know, total ridiculous character, so you never know what you're going to mm -hmm. walk into each day and, like, what kind of crazy stuff. But it's always fun stuff, so it's just fun. 
so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally so, out. so as we kind of, you know, Black Girl Nerds, we're um, a geeky website for women of color. So one of the things I like to ask every single person I interview is, what is your super secret geeky behavior? Because I feel like we all have that outward thing, but like, like for me, it's like, you know, reading Sherlock fan fiction. I'm not really secretive about I mean, I pretty much lay it all out there. I would say the one disgusting thing that I definitely try not to advertise a whole bunch, but have mentioned before is if I have a game going and I get sucked in, say Fallout 4, which would be the most recent, I will legit go without showering. And I, and I, my longest non-showering situation has been at least a week and a half. Wow. Yeah, you just start pulling that hair up into a bun and oh just wiping down God. the armpits and popping on some makeup and you're good to go. But after a while, you start getting itchy. Yeah, <laughs> so no, you... I've done it. I've done the, the late night, early morning. Unfortunately for me, I don't know how you do it because you've got to be on camera. Like, for me, eventually, like, there's a meeting or, like, a Skype where, like, someone has to look at me and I'm like, I can't. I've got to do something. I just carry around that translucent powder <laughs> for the best because, yeah, because I just, I do the same thing. Like, while I have the Nerds News stuff, once that's wrapped, I have a whole day of additional work, some with Nerds, some freelance stuff, so I just never know who I'm going to end up running into or talking to, so I just, I'm just like, oh, constantly powdering <laughs> down. It's like, is the tea zone? As long as the tea zone isn't shiny, we might be able to pull this off. Well, no, that's great. I, I really appreciate it. Um, finally, what are you looking forward to at South By besides the things that you're doing? I mean, there's films, there's everything. Like, yeah. how long are you here for? I'm here till Monday afternoon, okay. but I'm pretty much working full day every day yeah. um I kind of am just enjoying Austin to okay. be completely honest like because my days are pretty much full between the Capital One stuff and then the Nerdist stuff and then some of my nights too like you said we have Common coming here tonight and then I think there's Third Eye Blind tomorrow which I'm going to be interviewing and so I'm going to be here in the evening as well you know I, I'm not it's going to be pointless for me to try and track down a bunch of other stuff that I want to catch. I just don't think I'll have the time I'll be able to do it. Yeah. But the flip side to that is I'm just, when I do have breaks, I'm just kind of walking around and enjoying Austin. Yeah. And it's a great city to enjoy. I mean, I, I have to admit I am biased because, you know, I, I work from home and I yeah. literally have like told my job, it's like, if y'all stop working remote, I don't know if I'll make it. Everybody's so nice here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I truly do appreciate it. Can you tell our audience where they can find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Nerdist News at Nerdist.com. Um, you can follow that at Nerdist News on Twitter. You can follow me at Jessica underscore, or no, I'm sorry, at Jessica Chobot on Twitter and at Jessica underscore Chobot on Instagram. Great. And Basically, if, just search my name and a yeah. bunch of stuff. And if you go up. to any cons, I'm sure you will see if, uh, you running. Around. Yeah, I'm flowing around at almost all of them. So. Awesome. Well, come find us at Comic Con. I know the BGM will definitely be there. Okay, yeah, I'll all definitely right. be there. Trikus is a film director and screenwriter. After a series of 8mm and 16mm short films in college, Petrikas founded Sob Noise Movies, which produced two large-scale Super 8 shorts. His films have been featured at the Locarno Film Festival, Vancouver International Film Festival, and South by Southwest Film Festival. His next feature film is The Alchemist Cookbook, which he chats about with us here. It's about a young hermit out to solve an old mystery, which premiered this year. We've got Joel Petrikas here today joining us. He did the Alchemist Cookbook. I'm so, so excited to see this movie. Um, I've already got my tickets. I'm very pumped. Um, can you give us like, a quick pitch for the movie? Um, yeah, it's about a, a young, angry man living in an old trailer out in the woods, uh, trying to turn uh, lead into gold or find some kind of meaning in his life. And so things get a little bit weird and dark very quickly. And... Uh, that's about it. I don't like to give away too much. No, and please don't. Yeah. It, it looks kind of like a thriller, so I'm excited. Yeah. Like all of the. It's totally 
all over the place. Yes. So it's going to yes. be a little bit of everything. Um, you've got a really steady release of films for the past couple of years, like every other year. What do you attribute that success to? Are you just kind of a go-getter getting out there? Um, yeah, I mean, I just make these films for low, low budgets. So I don't spend a lot of, I won't waste a lot of time looking for money or tracking down, making sure everything's perfect. It's like we're going to shoot on June 1st and we do it. So it's very small crews. And uh, I don't live in L.A. or New York, so it's, it's very easy to just get around and get things done very quickly. Just do it quick and That's make it awesome. happen. So yeah. you make all your movies, like, out of Grand Rapids? Mm-hmm. Or... Cool. How yeah. does the Midwest kind of play? Because I've noticed visually, I mean, obviously, since you're there and you've got yeah. all the woods and stuff, how's the Midwest kind of, is it like a second character to you? Do you like it was never. It was never to me, but when we show it at, like, festivals, people always, you know, wonder if we put extra work in to make the streets desolate and dirty and it's like <laughs> nope that's just the way it is so for us it's just what we see and it's normal and we never we just take it for granted as just this is every day and it's especially weird when we take it overseas and they feel like it's some like mad max wasteland that we're filming in and it's like no it's just uh, our backyard so i love it that's we, so yeah cool. everybody uh, says it's the second character but to us it's just it's just our home so just what we know cool um when creating the character sean did you always envision him as black or did that kind of come about in casting yeah always black um i never want to try and repeat what i do and i've been making angry white boy movies for too long (laughs) and i wanted to do something totally different so it's always we took it out of the cities we took it into the woods and and first it's about a, a hermit you know who's an alchemist and the first thing you think of is like an old man with a white long white beard and it's yeah. like let's go the exact opposite have a young you know black guy doing it who's into hip-hop and stuff and not you know wearing a robe out in the out in oh, the woods yes. with a, an old cane so um yeah he was always um my films always have kind of like a hip-hop influence and i just wanted to kind of bring that full circle and make it uh, just make something totally different just, so what kind of hip-hop artists do you like if they're kind of inspiring your work um, I'm like the old school, like, like I was a public enemy kid at yeah. school. Like I was like the kid riding in the, our, our bus driver would let us bring on tapes and she would play them in the bus and every, everybody would bring like Garth Brooks and stuff. And I was that kid when I'd start walking up the front, everybody would start like yelling at me to not do it. And then, you know, <laughs> shout out man. to the takes, coolest takes, bus driver ever. Takes a nation of millions, pop it in. She was, she let it happen. But it, as soon as like swearing would come on, she'd, she'd pop it out. So sometimes I'd say. have to self-censor public enemy tapes just like really quickly deck to deck just like bleep out that word like pause it really quick so yeah i don't know it's just uh that's into, really very much cool. into, and, and like even like old ll cool j like his first two out al- first Hell three yeah. albums actually were really like i was super into that stuff like bigger and deafer was just the best so who do you have musically in uh, alchemist cookbook anybody exciting we have um we have a detroit uh rapper isham who's like horror rap and he's been around for like 25 maybe even 30 years but not a lot of people know him so we're trying to bring his uh his reputation kind of outside of just detroit and michigan and expose it to the world that's so, so cool we have a stuff. lot of big horror fans so i'm sure they'll be really excited to hear about ishan that's dope yeah he's he's great he's awesome your previous films, um, Ape and Buzzard, were based on um, past job experiences. I'm wondering if Alchemist Cookbook comes from any kind of work experience, or is this kind of a new lane for you? Um, not directly. I mean, I, it's, um, I've never really messed with chemistry or alchemy or black magic or anything like that. But I'd say in a different way, because I used to, I spent five years as a, an after-school manager for uh, like inner-city schools. Wow! And so I was just always kind of surrounded by a different language. You know what I mean? Like just different, uh, different kind of people and, and and language. And and I just had always just picked up on these things. And and it's just uh, I just wanted to write that kind of a, a character, somebody. Uh, I'm I'm curious to what how the reactions are going to be. You know, a, a white guy writing dialogue and characters for. To, you know, for black characters, but it's just, just uh, I never really, it's just what I've, I've heard and I was just used to for five years working in that, in that world, being really close with all those kids, just, uh, just fascinated by the differences and how, how cool they were and just had their own, their own worldview, so I just kind of want to put that into a movie. That's awesome. You have a really rich, like, work background history. You're a comedian, and then, like, um, so you're working with schools. Mortgage companies. How did you get to film? 
I've always been like because I didn't. I was after graduating film school. I was it was either stay in Michigan and make your own things, or move out to LA and work on other people's things. So I was one that stayed in Michigan. So I've been. I spent you know ten years making short films that really never went anywhere. And it was like all right, it's got to, it's time to make a feature. So I made Ape as my first feature, and and it, I got lucky and it took off. So I just been making features since then. That's amazing. Yeah. I know you shot two shorts on eight millimeter. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you shoot? Uh, Alchemist Cookbook on, and why do you like working with film? Um, we shot Alchemist Cookbook on an Alexa, which I cool. didn't really like because for the first week at least, because it was huge and heavy, <laughs> and I'm used to, we shot Ape and Buzzard on DSLR cameras, so we could just like grab them, run into a bus if we need to, and shoot a scene without anyone knowing. Alexa was a lot different, but um, the, footage, the footage is awesome, so it sold me on that, but I don't know, you know, I'm like... That film is just something beautiful where you can yeah. shoot something and hold it up to a window and smell it. Like, that's just, I love that. I want to say it was Nolan who said, uh, I'm not going to trade in my oil paints for crayons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something so like that. Totally but I have, that. I have traded in my oil paints. Although I am <laughs> the getting... The Alexa is probably the closest to film, though. I mean, if you're going to go yeah, digital. Yeah, and I'm getting the, I'm definitely going to be the first in line to buy that new Kodak Super 8 camera that's coming out this fall. Like, yeah. I'm excited. Super yes. excited. Because... I'm going to shoot a feature on Super 8 one of these days. It's going to happen. I love it. I love it. Big, grainy pictures yeah. is definitely what we need. Yeah. Um, what was it like working with Ty Hickson? Um, it was cool. He was the first, it was the first time I've worked with like someone who wasn't my friend ahead of time. Like The oh, actor, cool. lead actor in Buzzard and Ape, his name's Joshua Burge. And we've just been friends for a long time. But it was good. I think it was... Joshua was a musician. And once I found out that Ty was a musician, too... Like, for me, the most important thing, like, an actor to have is rhythm, a sense of rhythm, and he had that rhythm. So um, we, after a couple of days of shooting, we I kind of finally we connect, connected when I said, you know, what, because he was very, you know, he wanted to memorize every line. I said, you know, just, you don't have to memorize everything. You know what the scene's about. So what we're doing is jazz. Like, you know all the notes. Now let's just play them however you want. And once I said that, then, then we were just totally locked in. I know that's Woody's style, too. He's like, I don't care about the lines. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like get we, the emotion we knew it. Yeah, we knew everything that needed to happen and how it was supposed to feel. Now just kind of, like, find that rhythm and just, just do your own thing. So I let the camera roll and just kind of let him play around for a while. That's awesome. You said earlier that you didn't really have a lot of experience with like alchemy or black magic or anything. No. Did you do like a lot of research for that? No, or how, no. <laughs> no I, I, had, I bought some books and I, I read through them, but it wasn't like when I came time to writing the script, I didn't want to be bogged down by like, oh, is this chemical react with this chemical to actually make that's to me that felt like I was doing chemistry and I wanted to write instead. So yes. um, I, I, I learned a lot about it, but I never went back after I read those books to like consult to make sure I was using the right language or terminology it was just uh it's just jazz man i knew the notes and i just wanted to play them however i wanted to i love it you've clearly got a nerdy streak i know uh was it in buzzard right where you had the old nintendo like glove that was kind of powered up and stuff yeah what other kind of nerdy things are you into um i don't consider a lot of that stuff nerdy that's (laughs) the the problem (laughs) i love that is that i don't i only realize that after i mean i collect um uh, reaction action figures. Yeah, you know I have all those, and people come over like, "What is this?" I'm like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" And I just got this pinhead. This is awesome. And I just got this limited edition black and white Wolfman figure. So some oh, people wow. consider those nerdy, but I yeah, I'm a fanatic about collecting. I used to collect um, movie maniacs, the Todd McFarlane figures. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then they just seemed like they kind of ran out of ideas, and they stopped. And then like NECA started making like the really cool ones, but you couldn't get the NECA. And the movie maniacs, they weren't exact like scale, and some are the the NECA ones had more articulation, so they didn't match next to them. So I kind of wanted to start over with the reaction figures because it was like you couldn't get those confused in their you know universe. So um, one of the things I'm really excited about Austin is getting some new reaction figures down here. Hell yeah! Yeah, that's awesome. Well, tell our fans where they can find you online and and see your work and things. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Joel Petrikas. I'm on Facebook. And uh, I have a website, but I haven't updated that website in a long, long time. So that's a waste of time. So, so go find them on Twitter, guys. Hang yeah, out. Or hey. the, and the film's been released by Oscilloscope Laboratories. So they have, you know, posters and T-shirts and DVDs or will have DVDs and stuff like that. So Oscilloscope, that's where you can find all the stuff. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.
Our final segment is with Morgan Devon. She is the co-founder and CEO of Blavity, a thriving tech and multimedia company serving Black millennials. With a mix of humor, critical commentary, and thought leadership, the webpage garners over 1 million visits per month. Blavity has commonly been referenced as a source of news and information for notable influencers across industries, according to Forbes.com. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. I am very excited to have a guest here who is an innovator in the tech space, who is a CEO and co-founder of a website for Black millennials that is evolving, growing, and is making a huge force that is making a huge influence in the digital space called Blavity. I have Morgan Devon here on the Black Girl Nerds podcast, and I'm here along with our co-hosts, Karan and KB. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Thanks for having me. So Blavity is this multicultural website for Black millennials. Can you tell us how you got started with Blavity, and when did this journey begin for you? Absolutely. So Blavity is about... 20 months old now. So we started in July 2014. So we're still really new in kind of the media world. And I started Blavity with three of my friends from college as a way to connect with each other and to connect with our community. And so for those of you who who may be listening and aren't familiar, Blavity is a multi-channel digital media company for Black millennials. And we create content as well as have an open platform for folks to share their own stories and we help distribute those voices across the internet, as well as we do some offline things as well. And Blavity has so much content, so much rich content with over 700,000 visitors per month. How do you manage to build the kind of web content that garners that kind of traffic? And what are some tips that you can give to bloggers out there that want to create the kind of work that you're doing with Blavity? You know, our content is an excellent mix of editorial pieces done by our staff as well as community submitted pieces. And I think that's really what sets us apart from other websites or other being a little bit larger than a blog because it enables us to service and to support a diverse set of opinions. I mean, you may be going on Blavity and see two opposing articles right next to each other. And that's the kind of dialogue that I want us to have and I want us to support. When I think folks are thinking about growing their own personal brands and building their own communities, I think it's really important for people to be specific about who they're serving and to design the experience on their website and on their social media for that specific audience. I find a lot of people can be really broad at times, like, I want to serve entrepreneurs. And it's like, okay, great. What part of the entrepreneurial life cycle are you interested in? People just starting up, people scaling their business, people in the South, people in international community, what verticals. And so with Blavity, we're really specific about who we're targeting and kind of designing that experience for that user. Morgan, it's KB here. Uh, Have you had a traditional nine to five or an internship before that helped shape and mold you for launching Blavity? Yeah, I've worked so many jobs, you guys. I was early in my, my youth days. I was in retail. I did, you know, I worked at Toys R Us. I worked at Delia's at H&M when I was in high school. And then, you know, when I graduated from college and I did internships and things in, in undergrad. When I graduated from college, I moved from St. Louis to Silicon Valley to work at Intuit as a product manager and did business development. And I think you know, all of my experiences in, in general have been pretty diverse, but I think the biggest thing that's kind of prepared me and helped give me some skills to get to where we are today is just a reflection of the way that I've lived my life. Like in general, I love working with people. I love community building and thinking about how can we solve problems and things that cause friction in our daily lives with technology or through social media. Okay, great. What unique goals and projects are you guys working on this year for Blavity? So many things. Let's see, where should I start? I think in general, you know, we're growing. You know, we reach about a million 
people per month, a little bit more than that every month. Wow. Um, wow. And yeah, it's, it's so grown. way over the 700,000 number that I had quoted. <laughs> yeah. It's grown since you wrote that stat. So, um, wow. we want to keep growing and that means looking at new places and groups of people that we haven't been touching with our content and thinking about how can we reach them? How, what do they need? Maybe what we're creating and what our current kind of diversity of content is, isn't going to serve their needs. And so we're thinking about new lines of business and um, expanding to make sure we're supporting college students. We have a really big college community on Bravity, which I love because there's so many opportunities there and thinking about, I think there's a lot of content for women but not necessarily as much for men, which is kind of like interesting because of the way the world works and men get everything. But thinking about how Blavity can, can get into sports a little bit and culture, sports culture. And then of course, doing some offline things as well. We are working on a conference, which you guys will, will hear about soon and thinking about how do we build those conversations and the dialogue and that experience of delight and seeing other uh, other people online that look like you or are thinking about things that you like and bring that to the offline world. This is Karan. What makes Blavity different from other media produced by and for millennials? That's a good question. I think what makes Blavity different is the, I guess the intentional kind of our approach to servicing this community and having multiple different channels for our content and the experiences. So one specific example is we live tweet shows, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people live tweet shows, but we have a dedicated Twitter that is only for live tweeting. And so we will live tweet scandal right next to the state of the union, right next to the Grammys. And it's a cool experience because it's an experience that's just limited to Twitter. And that's for a very specific community. You know, the folks who are following us on Facebook are not going to be the same folks that want to live tweet scandal. And so in general, we've been approaching kind of how we are building products and services to be specific for a platform. And then on the back end, there's a lot of things that I think we do that a lot of media companies just aren't doing yet. And it, it really comes down to technology and it comes down to the tech side of the business, which most people aren't familiar with quite yet because it's not out yet. Is there a specific area you hope Blavity will make the greatest impact or have the greatest impact in? Yeah, I think in, I think for Blavity's future, something that's really important to me and something that is kind of critical to our success is just trust with the community. And I think, you know, when I think about our content and some decisions that we've made strategically, the brand and representing our people well is always number one. And so when I think about the future and what that looks like, you know, my hope is that we can figure out very specific ways to empower the black community and empower creators and innovators and, and people that are just doing great things. You know, press is one way to do it and kind of elevating their stories is one way. But there's lots of other things that we could be thinking about as well. And you've done so much within the online space, within the four corners of the digital world with respect to the live tweeting. You guys have a YouTube channel. What kind of offline events has Blavity gotten involved in? I know you had mentioned that there is a conference that's going to be coming up, but what can we expect in the future from the Blavity team? Yeah, so I think in the future, what we've done in the past, I will start there. We found an Essence Music Festival. That was a ton of fun. We rented a house and had some awesome women stay with us and did some programming around attending the festival. We've done happy hours in some of our top cities in New York, D.C., L.A., the Bay, and those have been great. We just had one in L.A. last week, and you get to meet so many people that you follow on Twitter or your friends on Instagram, but never get to meet in real life. And... You know, we've been co-sponsoring things like Trap Karaoke, which is a cool community building event run by a friend of ours, Jason, which is so much fun. And I think in the future, you know, people can just expect the same same kind of things that you would expect from Blavity. I mean, 
cool events, bringing in some of the top influencers and creators of our age and our kind of demographic and giving them an opportunity to shine and to promote their visions and their missions. Great. So what's your number one piece of advice for young African-American adults looking to become entrepreneurs in the tech industry? Oh, let's see. My number one piece of advice is that you don't have to necessarily be in Silicon Valley to get into tech and to have a startup. I think that's a misconception that you need to, you know, pick up everything and move to the Bay Area. You know, it's certainly nice having access to some of those resources, but I think that people can accomplish their goals and build a successful tech startup anywhere. And it's really about starting, having an idea, having really clean and crisp goals, and then having tasks and projects that you can measure success very linearly and build that success over time and consistency and hard work and grit. And so I think for the most part, people and entrepreneurs should just start, build that Instagram you know, work on the Tumblr, work on your landing page, start collecting email addresses, put things into the world and get feedback from your target users. So I have a question about Blavity itself. What does it mean? And then I'd like for you to tell us what it's been like for you as a young woman in this digital space. Sure. Blavity means black gravity. And it's a phrase that the black community at Washington University, which is where all of our co-founders went, used to describe the phenomenon of black people coming together, um, despite the fact that we were minorities in that community. And specifically at the lunch table, when you get like one black person and then five, and then all of a sudden you've got like 14 people at a table that only fits eight, just talking about a bunch of stuff and laughing and having fun and giving each other feedback. And that was what Blavity meant to us in, in undergrad. And that's kind of the experience that we're duplicating in the digital world. And then to your second question, I'm sorry, wait, can you just ask the question again? I want to make sure I'm answering it. Sure. I'd like to know what it's been, what has it been like for you as a young woman in this digital space? Yeah, I think that's a tough question for me to answer because I don't know what it's like to be a man, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that being in tech and being an entrepreneur is tough, regardless of who you are. You know, it's not an easy process and it's not an easy journey. And it's, I guess it's difficult for me to isolate, like, what are the things that have affected me as a woman versus just the fact that I'm working on a black company or because, I mean, there's just so many factors in all of what the things that we do at Blavity, you know, on a personal level. There's certainly times where I'm like, would this deal be easier to get done if I had one of my co-founders do it? I'm all my co-founding team, they're men. And so there's definitely that juggle of like, oh, you know, maybe we should have Aaron, you know, pitch this deal. Or if we're walking into a room, you know, that sometimes people assume that some of my co-founders are the CEO, right? And not me. And so, you know, that definitely catches me off guard at times, but it's not anything that I think is holding me back and it's certainly not holding the company back. I think being a woman has huge advantages because I can relate to a lot of people in different ways than some of my teammates can. So, you know, I love being a woman. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Morgan, thank you so, so much for being on our show. Before you go, can you just tell us where we can find you on the interwebs and give us all of your social media shout outs? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. That's the fastest way to get to me. And everywhere on the internet, I am at Morgan Debon. So just my first name and my last name. So tweet me, Instagram me, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Morgan. This was Thank great. You. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, guys. Talk All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.